This is Talk is Sheep, a podcast by the Wild Sheep Society of British Columbia. Come along as we take conversations that matter to you into the high alpine. Mr. Hamilton from balmy Victoria, another sunny day in the capital. <laughs> Just last week, you were rubbing it in that you said that it might freeze this week. So uh, let's get into the weather report there for those that don't know. How did, how's the lawn? OMG, it's, uh, we got a solid uh, 18 inches here and it's absolutely, you know, just like anything else where you're not equipped for snow and to get snow, it's a train wreck and it's it's a train wreck, man. Uh, just out and about, there's people in the ditch and just, yeah, it's uh, it's chaos. Awesome. <laughs> yeah, I, I remember the, the, the winter in 96 and that was terrible coming out one morning to go to work and went, no, I can barely even walk to my vehicle. But yeah, we... We haven't had any snow since our last conversation. We're running less than a foot, but we are minus 35 without the wind. But you don't have to shovel cold, right? There's always a but on the Canadian winters, right? (laughs) Were you in Van in 96? Yeah, yeah, I remember that. I remember that uh, pretty heavily. It was like, oh boy, nothing is moving. Nothing is moving. Buses had a hell of a time getting going. Even the cable buses and the Skytrains were stopped. It was brutal. Perfect. Well, for those... uh, can, I guess Canadians that are sort of buckled down for the cold winter. This is a great podcast. We have Mark Gashadi on the on the uh, pod, and we try to get Mark on for a while. He's he's a good friend and uh, just a great guy. I just every time I'm around him or I get a message from him, I just spend the whole time laughing. It's just absolute insanity and stuff. But uh, the cool thing is about Mark that you hear on the podcast is that he gets his finaz and what it's like. He does it in like three weeks or something. <laughs> <laughs> Might as well be. I barely had time to get over the jet lag. It was something like four months. Uh, something like four yeah, months. Yeah, it's unbelievable. Insane. And and uh, just one of those things too, right? It's the hook. It's the you know, it's the classic Jack O'Connor sheep hunter. You know, you're you're either like hooked for life and just like you go all in, or you'd never do it again. And and uh, Gassadi, Gassadi got hooked, and and uh, yeah, he he antes up and. Uh, just a great guy, great conservationist, and uh, and always a laugh. It's always funny listening to the guy. He just cracks me up. So, oh yeah, the the when, while we were chatting, I, I literally came up with the title of the podcast just from his adventures. Right? Where in the world is Mark Cashati? Because you never know when you're talking to him, right? We were where where was he when we were talking to him? He was going about to go on a moose hunt or something in Alberta. Yeah, he was in Wainwright. Right, uh, he was in Camp Wainwright, and he was. Uh, I think he was hunting with uh, well Cody Gretzen, who's another buddy of ours that comes out to Jurassic, uh, another great guy. Uh, he was helping him with his cow moose tag, yeah. and I think he ran into Dallas Kono. He's out there, so he's going hanging out with Dallas and helping him out. So, uh, or hanging out with him anyway. So, anyway, lots of tall tales in in, uh, in the camp Wainwright that week for sure. So. Oh yeah, it was, it was it was a good chat, but yeah, four months yeah. on Kano's like, come on, that's insane. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely cool. And then uh, we also touch base on another good mutual friend of ours, Wayne Henderson, who's on the board of directors of the Wild Sheep Foundation, and talk about uh, their first hunt together. And uh, just yeah, so this is a fun one. I think you're going to enjoy it. Uh, we're not so heavy on the conservation. We're more you this know BS hunt about hunting. Yeah, this it's a good time. Talk. So it's nice. Yeah, one of my my uh, favorite talks or most fun talks that we've we've had for a while. Um, okay, so what well, was Santa Claus good to hear or what? Oh yeah, yeah. I'm gonna be paying. Yeah, off you got these. you got the I, you got the coal that you deserved. Right? Oh yeah, I'm gonna be paying this bill off for for months and months <laughs> and months. <laughs> yeah, 
Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, cool. So Christmas, we're on the cusp of the new year here. Uh, it's been a great year uh, for the Wild Sheep Society of BC for Talk is Sheep. We've had amazing guests on. We've got great listeners. We're hearing great feedback from you guys. We'd love to hear more. But just to all our supporters, uh, whether it be on the podcast or for the society, a huge bloody thank you for 2022. We had a great year, great support from our membership, and just excited what 23 is going to bring. Speaking of the end of 2022, we got a couple of things to wrap up here for some housekeeping, right? The, the membership drive is coming to an end. Yeah, so that's a cool one, right? Conservation partner membership promotion. So anyone that signs up, whether it be a first-time renewal, you could buy a Monarch membership, doesn't really matter. Uh, you're going to get your name in to win that, and that wraps up here at the end of the year. So if, just a few more days left on that one. And we're going to draw one lucky winner randomly. And what does that get you? It gets you a 1000 bucks to spend with any one of our six conservation partners. And um, so great opportunity. So if you're thinking about buying a membership – Now's the time to do it. Plus, you can double dip for like the next three days. So we've got a life membership promotion. So if you are a life member at the time of drawing, so we're going to draw. What we're doing is we're giving away a WSF uh, Weatherby Thin Horn Rifle chambered in 6.5 RPM. Uh, it's got a uh, Leopold uh, VX5 HD on it. Absolutely gorgeous, gorgeous setup. Um, it's custom for wild sheep. It's not even off the factory floor yet. The first one hasn't even come off, so it's brand new rifle. But it's uh, after that uh, Mark V series. Uh, it's carbon 2.0 barrel on it, super lightweight, just gorgeous titanium, the whole works. And uh, we're going to give that away to uh, every single life member that's on our list gets their name automatically in. So you don't have to do anything if you're a life member. So what that means is if you're not a life member, become one. <laughs> and you're going to get your name in for the drawing. We're going to draw it March 11th at our uh, Life Member Breakfast. If you're at the Life Member Breakfast, you get extra chances to win. And if you Monarch up as well, um, you're going to get extra chances as well. And Monarchs will get extra chances if they're at the Life Member Breakfast. So the thing is, yep, Steve's got his, his hand up. You betcha, buddy. So you already get an extra chances. And then being the Life Member Breakfast, you get more chances as well. You don't need to be in attendance to win. So if you're thinking... Oh yeah, well I, I'd like to be a life member, but I don't. I'm not going to qualify because I won't be there at the life member breakfast. Doesn't matter. You're automatically entered. So uh, if you want to double dip, if you do it before the end of the year, you're going to get in on the conservation partner promotion. You're going to get in on the life member promotion and get a chance to win either grand with our conservation partners or a rifle valued at over six grand. Um, that is just going to blow your socks off. Just a gorgeous uh, piece of kit. So yeah. That's my little uh, diatribe about membership, but membership does have its benefits. Absolutely, it does. And apparently, I have double the benefits because I'm a monarch as well. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes, you do. But you do realize that all directors and social media managers and talk is sheep podcast hosts are precluded from winning this, right? What was that? <laughs> I edited that part out. <laughs> uh, right on. Yeah, that would be a nice, uh, I guess, spring present. That's yeah, a good one. No so uh, we're going to have that draw at our Kamloops Sheep uh, show on March 11th. So uh, life member breakfast. What else we got? Mountain Wildlife Conservation Society. Last tax shot at that. For those that don't know what the Mountain okay. Wildlife Conservation Society is, tell them, tell them a little bit about it and why it's important to us. Because we keep saying it's, yeah, the, it's so our preferred charity. So why? Well, Wild Sheep Society BC for years has been trying to get charitable status. And... We've gone through the song and dance of trying to figure out how to do it, and we could do it, 
problem is, is because we, uh, you know, we advocate for hunter conservationists as well. There's some uh, restrictions that would come into play under the Charitable uh, Act. And it, in the end, basically, you know, our team basically said the best route forward is to, uh, you know, basically find a standalone charity. So, um, there's the preferred char- charity, the Wild Sheep Society of BC. It's a Mount Wildlife Conservation Society. I have the privilege of being the president for that. Um, three directors from the Wild Sheep Society of BC are appointed to the board of directors of the Mount Wildlife Conservation Society. And um, we have a total of seven directors. Uh, our current president of the Wild Sheep Society of BC, Corey Green, is the treasurer on there. Chris Barker, our VP of Wild Sheep BC, he's a director. So it kind of gives you the confidence that you know, this is an organization that we're comfortable with. Um, the purposes support the work that Wild Sheep Society BC does, so we're closely aligned. Although, of course, Mountain Wildlife Conservation Society is a uh, completely separate entity. So, uh, great opportunity if you want a charitable receipt. Uh, you can make a donation, and if you're eligible, you can get a charitable receipt. We'll help you reduce your taxes. Um, some pretty neat opportunities there. The key is you got to get it in by the end of the year. So if you want a tax break for this year. So if you're looking for a 2022 tax break and you're eligible for a tax break as a Canadian, um, if you reach out and make a donation to the Mount Wildlife Conservation Society, you're going to get that tax break in 2022. So a bit of timeliness there. Time is of the essence if you want to make it happen for 2022. Yep. Only a few days left. And that's it, it makes sense. Yeah. We, we keep saying it's our preferred charity and I just figured it'd be a good thing to touch on to tell people why. So that's the, that's the tie. Yeah. That's the tie. So. Yeah, absolutely. And, and um, it, it's pretty exciting, a great opportunity for people that want to donate to wild sheep projects that that's, that's the one. So uh, reach out to me. Uh, you probably all know how to get a hold of me. Case Delta at wildsheepsociety.com or uh, you can always give me a ring and uh, I can hook you up. But uh Anything else we need to touch on? Episode 106, Mark Gashaddy. What are we calling it, buddy? Where in the world is Mark Gashaddy? Only he knows at the time. Sometimes I don't even think he knows. <laughs> yeah, I think you're right. Awesome. Uh, again, all our listeners to Talk is Sheep, thank you guys for all your support in 2022. We're stoked for 23. We got some great ones coming, and we'll see you in the new year. The perception of hunting you know, has changed. It's our duty now, our responsibility as hunters, to change it back. And we've spent the last few decades trying, you know, espousing that that message, preaching that message about wildlife conservation. You know, we've it's fallen on deaf ears. All of our attempts. I think what what we have to do is is maybe uh, appeal to the emotional side or the visceral side. We have to tell our story. We know what we are. We know how deeply we care about wildlife. It's just the people out there that are, that are you know, voting to get rid of hunting, they don't understand our stories. Sometimes we, we have to translate it to something that they understand. The man, the myth, the frickin' legend, Mr. Mark. Okay, is it, okay. Now, buddy, is it Gassati or Gashetti? Because I've heard you say both. Say both yeah. Okay, all right. So Gashetti. All right. So the man, the myth, the legend, Mr. Mark Gashetti. So okay. So for anyone that doesn't know who Mark Gashetti is, okay, he welcome to the scene. This guy is a frickin' legend, and if you haven't heard about him, it's time you learned about him. So let's start off, Mark. 
Where the heck in the world is Mark Gashadi today? Uh, I'm in Wainwright, Alberta. Doing well, we just finished up yesterday doing a Camp Wainwright or moose hunt out here, and yeah, I go to Spain in two weeks to go shoot a couple of ibex, and uh, Pakistan in January. Uh, supposed to go to Mexico back for a desert and a mule deer in January, and potentially. Whoa, 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 <laughs> what? whoa, whoa, whoa. You're, you're getting way ahead of yourself. We just burnt the whole podcast. Now we have nothing to talk about for the next hour, buddy. <laughs> uh, so, no, no, we're, we're going to get there. But before we do, so, okay, you're, do you have a moose tag yourself? I don't no, think you no, do. No, I didn't have a moose tag. I just came along as a helper. My buddy, uh, Cody Gretzen, had a moose tag out here. So we went out. It was like about minus 30 yesterday. And we uh, got our moose down and one day in and out. And we finished this hunt off, which was good. And, yeah, it was lots of fun. Awesome. So was it, it was, yeah, a, it was a cow moose tag. Um, it's a, it's a pretty fun hunt out here on camp Wainwright. They manage it super well. Like the biologists do a fantastic job out here. It's, it's a, a good opportunity for Alberta residents for like an extra white tail or mule deer hunt. Um, there's opportunity for moose out here as well. And elk, like you don't know, it's kind of neat cause you don't know what you're going to see going around any corner. Like you could, Go around the corner and see a 220-inch mule deer, a 50-inch bull moose, or like a 360-inch bull elk. Like it's it's unique. It's pretty neat. That's awesome, and it's pretty tough to get drawn, yeah. right? Like, uh, and you you can get tags for all that stuff, but it's really the odds aren't great, and and you got to build up your priority points and a whole bunch of correct, stuff, right? correct. Like I think um, for uh, deer tags out here, I think it's like a nine or a ten for the primitive weapon one. I believe the same thing for uh, the moose hunts as well. So yeah, it's a takes a long time to get drawn, but it's a it's a neat opportunity. It's lots of fun, and then really good odds when you do get drawn. Well, the chances are you're going to kill like something. The hunts are short though; they're only three days. So like we had okay, we, we had our moose tags, bull moose tags out here. I think it was about eight years ago. Me and my buddy Brad, and like the forecast was minus 30, 18 inches of snow, and like fifty kilometer an hour winds. So you have three days of pretty bad weather and you might not get anything, but you never know. Like we've seen a, a couple of bulls that probably pushed 50. We didn't get an opportunity at them. The weather was changing and we ended up just shooting two that were in like the, eh, like just under 40 inch range. But it's, it's a fun hunt. Like, like I said, you can go around a corner and find anything from a, spiker mule deer buck to uh, one that's like 200 i think they have a bunch of 200 plus inch deer get shot out of here yeah so it's, it's neat mm -hmm. very cool okay so let's back the train up we talked about where yep. we are today so where did this all start from you i met you through wild yes. Peak and um so but your your hunting love for the outdoors whatever you want to call it because your, your day job is your your business owner you you uh you run a a really really good business um and has nothing to do with hunting or the outdoors so where does that love for the outdoors come is this something you grew up with did you grow up in the edmonton area or where's home for you talk yeah i grew up in edmonton alberta um my family my grandparents had a farm northeast of the city and like i think my first experience with the outdoors i remember i must have been about oh six or seven i remember still to this day there is about six of us kids going out with my uncle and we were cruising around on a quad and lo and behold, we come over this little hill and here's a chicken 
a, a rough grouse and he shoots it with a 22. And I'm like, that is the coolest thing ever. Like, I think I remember for my seventh or eighth birthday, I took all my buddies and we went to the archery lanes. So it was like, I, I started, my, my parents were never outdoorsy. They were never uh, hunters. My dad liked to go fishing, but there was never any, any hunting. So uh, that's I, the, my, my furthest back memory of like wanting to go outdoors and doing that, like the, the hunting side of it. Um, but like, I remember growing up, like um, one of my best friends, Brad Johnson, we would go, we would go bow hunting. He was a couple years older than me. So when I was like 14 and he was 16, we would go on adventures all over the place, bow hunting, rifle hunting, you name it. Um, he's one of the best whitetail deer hunters I'll probably ever know. He shot, I think, five 190s, and I was there for four of them. I never shot one, but he's got five. <laughs> but, like, um, he's, he's a good hunter, but is he a good buddy? I don't know. What's that? <laughs> Well, he's a good hunter, but is he a yeah, good exactly. buddy? Doesn't he? Don't, don't, don't you? <laughs> he's a good shot. He can hit those white tails running really good. Um, but yeah, like it, that's where it kind of started. And I always, always, always wanted to go like do the mountain hunting and the sheep hunting. Um, and it just, it, he was a bird guide and we would do lots of bird hunting and the bow hunting for like deer in the bow zone and stuff like that in September and October. I never, ever went mountain hunting. And I remember still like uh, my first kind of, my first in with the whole mountain realm was like I applied um, to a whole bunch of outfitters in BC and Northwest Territories and everything like that to go on a caribou hunt. And I said, can you put me on your cancellation list and um, send me a message whenever you have a cancellation? I'd really be interested in going. And um, I remember one morning, it was like six in the morning. I think I was hung over to the guild. My phone goes beep, beep. And I happen to be awake and I look at it and it's an email from ron fleming and brenda nelson um we have an opportunity to go on a mountain goat caribou hunt in uh their territory in bc and i'm like you know i think i'm gonna do that and the, the perk of the hunt was was that um you get to go hunting with craig and donna boddington so i sign up for this wow. hunt like i've heard of craig boddington and i'm like well sounds fun it's gonna be a tv show going on you're like yeah why not so i sign up for this hunt um they rolled like they rolled the red carpet like oh you're from canada excellent we'll give you we'll let you paint any funds blah 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 it was fantastic um go and do this hunt get out to smithers there's first three days we can't leave the hotel we can't fly out because it's raining so um i meet craig and donna their camera guy and then there's another guy who was with him who came was coming in as an observer his name's wayne henderson so Oh, Wayne yeah. was on that so, trip? Sure enough, I have my first oh, experience with any kind of mountain hunt. I'm going with Ron and Brenda, some of the best ever. Like, Ron's been doing it forever. Um, and Henderson's there. Absolutely. So, me and Wayne become best buddies. And uh, Craig and Donna Boddington, like, we couldn't leave for three days. So, all we did was go down the lounge and have a good time. So, it was it was awesome. Like, go on the hunt. I was, I believe, a 10-day hunt. So, we were in for... We were in camp for seven days. And of that, I think we only had like four or five days to hunt. We had opportunities. Like I passed down, uh, it was a smaller immature goat. Um, we seen a good one, but he buggered off and the little one stuck around. And I'm like, my guide's like, well, you can shoot him if you want. And I'm like, well, you know, I'd rather come back and shoot a more mature one. So passed on that one, but just the whole experience and everything, even though I didn't get anything, it was um, fantastic. I said, I want to do this all again. 
So that's how I got hooked up with the Wild Sheep guys. Because Wayne is like, you got to join the Less Than One Club. You got to be part of the Wild Sheep Foundation. You got to come to Reno. He's like, you come to Reno, I'll buy all your drinks. I'm like, come on, man. I'm like, I, I'm not going to expect you to do that. But uh, he was like, no. He's like, you got to. You got to get into this. He's like, you would love all the people that are involved. He's like, it's like a big family. And uh, sure enough, like that kind of segues into like how I met you. Um, I was at my buddy Cody's house who I was hunting here with. And I think I had was working like a 14 hour day or a 16 hour day or something like that. And I was at his place. They were coming back from ice fishing and I fill in a bunch of fish. And I'm like, oh, remember? Remember you wanted to go sturgeon hunting or sturgeon fishing? Sorry. He's like, yeah. So I'm like, huh. And sure enough, it was the sheep show was going on then in Reno. Look on my phone and there was Jurassic Classic. So I bought the Reno uh, entry for the Jurassic Classic that night and then met all you guys and take it from there. It was um, probably those, those two things were some of the best purchases I've ever made in my life. Like the people that I've met from like the wild sheep foundation, wild sheep society of BC, wild sheep foundation, Alberta, like family, like my sheep family I'm closer with than a lot of my normal family, like my biological family. And it's everyone that I've met through those organizations are all top notch. And it just, I believe in the goals that you guys are trying to do the methods and everything. And it's, uh, it's something I want to be a part of and it's just proud to be a part of and glad to, I'm so, so happy I met all the people along the way. Yeah, uh, Awesome, man. That, yeah, there's so much. <laughs> yeah. You, you, so you mentioned two, two people or three people really right there that uh, are just phenomenal. And so for those that don't know, Wayne Henderson is a director with the Wild Sheep Foundation. He's been on their board of directors for nine years. I've got the opportunity to serve with Wayne and uh, just uh, an incredible human being. And one of those guys that he's been giving for conservation for literally decades. I think he's gone to Sheep Week for, you know, like you look at you and I, Mark, like we've only been a few, you know, we're, we're this is our life now. We love it. Steve too, like uh, not excluding you, Steve. We, this is our life. We, we love wild sheep, our family, right? And we go to these shows and, uh, but, you know, you look at a guy like Wayne's been doing it for 35 years. Like it's unbelievable. And, and he's the hook. Like you meet Wayne, he's relentless, man. Like in a good way. Like he's like, like he told me, he's like, I'm the guy that's responsible for bringing Marcus to this thing. And he was, and, and, you know, and, and you're a big part of our community now and you brought other people, but it's, it's guys like the Wayne that get, get you hooked and you just can't say no. And you're just like, you got to be part of it. Oh yeah. Like, and, and you think like Wayne, you think wild sheep foundation and Wayne lives in like North Dakota, like, doesn't he like, like not wild sheep yeah, country. Exactly. And like, he's, he's no. so passionate about it. And you can you just meet the guy and you can see it and you can tell. And it's just like, I, I want to be part of whatever this guy's a part of. Yeah, it's it's fantastic. Yeah. Well, I, you know, I, I, I actually debated having Wayne on the podcast <laughs> with me. And he's, he's, the, he's not a showy guy, right? Like he just, he's a modest, humble, oh, yeah. he's, he's a farmer, right? Like that's, that's his thing. He's just a humble, hardworking. And the thing is to... Mark, there's a lot of people that will donate to, to causes and, you know, guys that will write big checks, um, wealthy people that, and Wayne, uh, I, you know, I don't know where Wayne sits, but I know that he's not a, a multi-trillionaire and he gives and gives and gives and yeah. gives. I, you know, he's he's one of those guys that I put on a pedestal because I look what he does um, and he's donating 
everywhere all the time. He spreads his wealth around where he can. Um, you know, he he tries to support different chapter and affiliates and the foundation. He just supports over and over and over and over, and it's just humbling when you're in the hum, uh, in the in the um, presence of someone like oh, that. Oh, for sure. Yeah, like some people can like he gives the proportions of that man gives is exceeds oh, like it's it's unimaginable for like people to kind of factor it in like the amount of time that he puts in like time is worth money and he donates so much of that to the causes and everything and it's it's yeah it's it's very humbling and it's very it's very impressive and it's he's just such a nice guy yeah. yeah wayne tells a story and i shouldn't i i, I really want him on this <laughs> podcast and i don't know if i'll ever get him here but i'm gonna share the story i i'm pretty sure it's with ron fleming and uh uh so you know, uh, Wayne's obviously good friends with Ron and Brendan. He was flying up to Smithers to, and maybe it was that trip you were on. I don't, I don't know, but he was flying up to hang out. He just hang out in camp. He'll come out and help out and, you know, cut firewood, do whatever, right. Just to support. So Wayne comes up and, uh, I think Ron had said, well, bring me up some, uh, some Copenhagen cause he'd get it through duty free or whatever. So Wayne picks it up, brings it up into camp. So he shows up with this massive haul of Copenhagen and Ron's like, Oh, thanks. And Wayne goes, oh, you, you don't get it. And he's like, what do you mean? And he goes, well, are you a life member to the foundation? And of course, Ron and Brenda are longtime supporters. They've donated over and over and they've done so much. And I don't think Ron at the time was a life member. And he goes, you're not getting this Copenhagen until you buy it. <laughs> so he, he basically forced uh, Ron into to buying that life membership and uh but that's the way he works right he's always and it's always benevolent right you know he never he's always getting guys to to sign up to do what they can to support and and for one example this year was on our board of directors wayne said you know i want to see every director donate and and of course i think all of our directors are always donating but he goes i want to see you donate to our our auction that you know that it just it's it's important to me it's Wayne's last, and he was pretty forceful about it. Um, he did it in all the right way, and and he's got all of us directors to step up, and we're we're donating uh, something to the live or silent auction yeah. this year, and um, you know just the right message, and yeah, just love the way he works. He's such a great oh, guy, hundred percent. Cool. All right, so um, Wayne, if we're if we're gonna talk more about you, we got to get you on the podcast, and I'm gonna make him listen to this one. So let's transition now. So. Um, you got the hook on mountain hunting. What year was that that you went and hunted with uh, uh, Love Brothers? Uh, when uh, I believe that was 2017. Um, and so I did that one in 2017, and like uh, I didn't shoot anything, and I was 100% cool. It was great. Um, the next year, I believe, was the year they had the grizzly bear closure. And Ron and Brenda were talking like potentially coming back and doing a bear hunt in the future and things like that. And I'd never been a big uh, bear hunter or anything. And then when that closure kicked in, um, I tried booking a hunt with them and like, sorry, we're all booked. So it just so happened that when we were still, when we were in Smithers there at the hotel, like we couldn't leave for three days. We were talking with all the people that were in the, that were in the same situation as us. And there was, uh, two other gentlemen that were there. Um, Cliff and Tom, they ran Nass Valley, uh, outfitters in BC as well. So I reached out to them and they're like, yeah, it just so happens. We got one permit left. Do you want to go? Sure. So I went with uh, those guys the last year the grizzly hunt um, was going on in BC. I wanted to get a grizzly before it shut down. And then um, I did a, it was a combo hunt, moose, grizzly, and caribou. So it was like awesome. Like number one targets grizzly. 
let's go have fun. Everything. We're super crazy busy with work. Um, and I remember I was talking with them and I was, everything I was totally assuming, like we're going to be shooting these things on the river. So it'll be pretty neat to chase these uh, bears on the river when they're eating salmon. We fly into uh, to one of their camps and uh, unload all our gear from the float plane. And uh, I go to Tom and I'm like, you know, I really didn't think the salmon went this far up the river. And he looks at me, he's like, uh, that's because they don't. I'm like, huh? I'm like, I thought we were going to be hunting off the rivers for these bears. He's like, oh, no. <laughs> we're going up and over that mountain, around that one, and over back there. I'm like, uh, what? <laughs> I'm like, because I had trained zero for this hunt. So it was like, <laughs> <laughs> uh-oh. So uh, it, I like I learned so much on that hunt from the, from Tom, like, on, like, gear and necessities and everything like that because first mountain hunt you take oh I, you know what i might need that i might need this my pack probably weighed 80 pounds 90 pounds going up and then it's like <laughs> heaven forbid we shoot something and have to bring it all back down <laughs> so yeah it was tons of fun like it learned so much and i ended up i got a grizzly uh on the seventh day of the hunt we came back down i shot a moose on the ninth day of that hunt and then i got a we couldn't fly out due to weather and fog. And I shot a caribou right on the lake there. And I got all three on like, so day 11. So after that, I was hooked. Like, I'm like, I want to do more of this. I want to, I, I want want to do this as much as I can. And like when we were, the, the funny thing was too, it kind of will segue into other stuff that I've kind of done, which was sheer luck is just when we were there in that lounge uh, or at that hotel there too, in the lounge, there's another dude. I believe he was hunting with Dustin Rowe and the guy was going for all four sheep in one year. And I'm like, thought to myself, I'm like, that is insane. Like, I'm like that who in their right mind would ever do that? Like, is that even possible in the, my, like Boddington and them? Like, yeah, they're like only a handful of people have ever done that. And uh, I, I like, it was that one of those things that just sticks in your mind and uh, I remember this. I think he was successful doing it. I'm not 100% sure, but he was, it was just that, just somebody even attempting that, trying to do it all. It was just, it stuck in my head. And like a few years later, with the crap that I was able to do, it was pretty neat. That's awesome. Uh, and I want to talk about, go into the detail on, on that yeah. part of it. But before we jump into that, you know, I think a lot of people uh, look at, look at, uh, the, you know, these trips and, you know, for some people it's just out of reach. They just don't have the affordability, but you've been very, I know you, you and I, we talked yep. a lot, but you're like, yeah, I've been on this and you're, you're, you're smart about how you do it. You're, you know, you do a lot of hunting, you got the flexibility cause you have your own business. Yep. So there's times where you can and can get away. So you have that flexibility, but you do last minute cancellation hunts. Um, you do, you're always trolling online hunting auctions and there's some pretty, uh, am I, am I giving away your trade secrets here, buddy? <laughs> no. Am I going to screw up your, your I think, plan I think here? people know about but, them already, so it, it's good, but it's like. Right. So yeah, talk about that. Talk how you've been able to do this and about, you know, some of the, you know, wicked deals you've got on this stuff. And then, you know, you, you've also traveled for it, right? Like you, you've found some, you know, you were hunting brown bear in um, Russia, Well, right? uh, no, like I did brown bear in Alaska. Like um, some of these hunts, like. I'm a firm believer that if you really want to accomplish something, nothing is unattainable. Like it's just a matter of how bad you want it. There's always a way to do it. Like um, going back even before I ever did my first hunt and everything like that. Like when I was 
in my mid twenties, um, I used to work for the city of Edmonton and like, it wasn't a big high paying job. It was a steady job. Like, um, but like, I always had a, I was always working to work. There's, I was always trying to work and find ways to make more money to do more things. Um, so like, I used to buy um, when our dollar was really strong, like say in 2005 to 2008 or nine. I'm like, I think I think the statute of limitations is exceeded. So if I broke any tax laws, I don't think they can come after me. <laughs> but like, I used to import lots of cars from the states. So like, I would go and I would buy cars in the states, bring them back, um, and sell them to people who wanted that same vehicle here, and they would save money, and I would make a little bit, and it worked good for everybody. And all the money I made with that, I flipped it into kind of real estate. Um, and then that was making money for me and everything. Then I, then I got married and then I lost it all and <laughs> had to rebuild all over again. But like, I would like say I wanted to buy like uh, a new rifle or something like that. Um, I would have like part-time jobs, like even delivering pizzas. Like I would go work at the BPs down the road and I'd make about 150 bucks a night. And that was just extra income that I could put towards going and buying cool hunting stuff or different things. I was always trying to kind of get more so that I could go and like find different ways to make more money. Um, so like when I started my own business and everything, I would things like some of these hunts like were kind of seemed like out of range, but it was like, well, if I work harder and if I make my business more efficient and things like that, I can uh, obtain these goals that I want to go and do. And like a lot of the goals that I wanted were, um, not so much like material things like buying fancy cars and stuff like that. I wanted to go and do these experiences like these hunts and stuff like that. Like, um, I'd rather have the experiences and these journeys and these adventures than like, say going and buying a brand new, uh, like a buying a brand new truck every year, like spending 130 grand now on a new diesel. like my truck that I have now, it's uh, about 10 years old. It's got 560,000 clicks. And whenever we take go hunting, you're taking that because it's like this thing, I've beefed it up. It runs awesome. And I think I paid 20 grand for it. And it's a Lariat diesel I bought like six or seven years ago. And it's like, I, I could I could go buy a new truck, but then it won't allow me to go and do these fun things that I want to go and do. So um, like a lot of the guys that are always haters, like, oh, you're going and doing these hunts. It's like, I think if you if you really want to, you can put your resources that you have to a lot of these things. Maybe you can't go and do like a, a Marco Polo hunt in Kyrgyzstan, but you can definitely go and do an Ibex hunt over there. Like there's there's always a way. I believe that if you really want to achieve those goals, that you can do it. That's awesome, man. It's about, yeah, priorities, right? What's important yeah. to you, what you want to do. And, you know, we've seen that with Schwanky, yeah. right? Like he did his finaz. Um, took him 30 years to do it, but he did it. And people are like, oh, yeah, but you're rich, TJ. And it's like, no, I worked hard. I saved yeah. my money. I made choices. I made sacrifices. And it, exactly with you too, right? Mark, like you, you know, you made choices, you know, what's important in your life. And, and yeah, hundred percent. Like, how can you, you know, it, it, I, and 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 hey, you know, there are guys that have money too, and that maybe they were born into wealth or whatever. But uh, and maybe you guys want to give them a hard time. But um, you know, that's the thing is, people can do these things. Maybe they can't do all those things. Maybe they can't do their finesse yeah. in a year, like some people. Um, but again, you know, you, you there was risk involved. There was hard work. There was a whole bunch of things that got you to that place. It wasn't like somebody gave you that 
those hunts, you had to go out and earn them and you created that opportunity. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Like I, I talked with TJ quite a bit and I think he's a really good guy. He's a super smart guy. And he's, he's like you said, worked really hard to accomplish the goals and everything that he's done. And he's the kind of a guy you can look up to in those, in those uh, like towards like those, those goals. Like, and he, he does, a, he, he probably does get a couple deals on hunts and stuff like that. But a lot of them are, uh, he's plans his budgets, what he wants to do. And, not living the high life like he's not jet setting around in like a private jet on any of these hunts and stuff like that and it's it comes down to your priorities like you said and like you can accomplish lots of goals and like even some of the hunts like you can there's different there's you can find hunts that are good and everything like that where you might be getting rid of a lot of the markup on lots of them and then you can afford to go and do them like the like say even buying those auctions like i bought that one last year from uh the wild sheep or two years ago i should say from the wild sheep foundation for that basor ibex i did that basor ibex hunt with shikar and i just looked at the price and it's like they're charging 20 grand and it's at ten thousand dollars right now at the auction it's like i want to go and do this one day well that day might be coming a lot sooner than later because it's half the price now and like that hunt was fabulous, yeah. like unbelievable adventure experience. Like, yeah, it's, but like you, you kind of have to prioritize what, what you really want to do and kind of lots of guys can get um, distracted by like, say different things that may take away from their accomplishing their goals, like things that will suck money out of their budgets by doing some of these other hunts or buying these other things or doing this other stuff that'll it's just taking away from you accomplishing your goals. And if you're, if you're really focused on it, you can accomplish those things. Like even I did that walrus hunt this year. Um, and my buddy guy from social media, I never met before. I put out a thing. Uh, I had a friend that couldn't come and Matt Murphy from Texas. He's like 30 seconds later, shoots me a message. He's like, I'm in. Never met the guy before. Talked to him on social media a couple times. Sure enough, like he's 39 years old and he just completed his super slam. And he, I think he has two animals left for his Rex Baker 40. And he'll go and do like, say, uh, for his super slam, like he did, I believe, a Thule elk that was uh, a cow instead of a bull. Like instead of spending $30,000 on a hunt, he went and did it for four. And he got kind of the same experience. Uh, sure, he didn't come back with this big rack, but you have the same experience. You're hunting the same animals, and you're doing it for a lot cheaper than, say, someone that's just after trying to shoot a bull. Um, things like that. Like even even slow well, like that kind of goes to the sheep part of it, where it's like guys are going chasing the fannins instead of going doing the BC stones, which is kind of they're di- yeah, like you run into a different situation with that, but like are they the same species as each other blah, 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 um, for those rec, but for the record purposes, like if you're chasing those goals of doing like a super slam, then you can accomplish that goal of getting a super slam for less funds. If you're doing things a little bit more efficiently along the line. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, and I guess that's the one takeaway for our listeners is, you know, like you cruise online hunting auctions and there are some pretty good deals out there. So, you know, be open-minded and be flexible, right? And and uh, there might be an opportunity. And then also these cancellation heights is a great opportunity as well, yeah, right? Yeah, for sure. And like, 
they come up all the time and lots of the outfitters are looking for people to uh to go on these hunts and if you're flexible you can capitalize on some of them and accomplish some of your goals um for a fraction of the price well i think too for some of our listeners you know the you know you look at for an example like a a stone hunt 70 us or whatever now it's 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 pricey like that's that's crazy um but there are a lot of international hunting opportunities that are really affordable, right? Like if you go to Europe or you go to, you know, Eastern Europe for sure, like there's some pretty good opportunities out there. Oh, yeah. Like uh, an Ibex hunt in Kyrgyzstan is like 6000 right. bucks. Like if, if you're a BC resident trying to go to Alberta to go for a, a mule deer hunt or something like that, you're going to pay that much money for a mule deer hunter more. So it's like, do I want to shoot a mule deer or do I want to do something cool and shoot an Ibex? And yeah, it's, it's, it, but it's what you want. Lots, lots of people are scared too of the international hunts because there's lots of stigma about some of those places. And they think that, uh, oh, I'm going to this Islamic country and, oh, you know what? I don't like those people, blah, blah, blah. But man, those people treat you like gold. Like they, they are so nice. They are so welcoming. Um, it's religion is totally separate from the, the people of those, like, how these people treat you um, has nothing to do with it. There's lots of biases and stuff like that that are just kind of wrong. Um, but it's, it's just, it's the experience and the people I've never, I've never gone on a hunt anywhere that I felt unsafe and that people weren't welcome. And like, they all are so happy to see you and any problems, any questions that you have, they're there to help. It is fantastic. It's it's quite the adventure. Like it, 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 the adventures in those journeys and stuff like that kind of push me when I'm having tough days in work and things aren't going well. That's like you know what, I'm gonna work through this and work harder and work longer because I want to go and do this, 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 and this, and like trying to accomplish those goals. Uh, not even those goals, just do those experiences. Like. It's it's so much fun. It's so interesting, and there's nothing that will put you kind of out of your comfort zone. Is landing in a foreign country where nobody speaks English, and you're on your own. <laughs> it's just you get out of the plane. And you're like, huh? Well, you as being a pilot, I'm sure you've experienced it a little bit. It's like it's it's it. You know, you're not in Kansas anymore. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and so that's the interesting thing, right? Like every hunt is, has its own challenges, right? Mark, like whether it be, you know, you look at, you know, a a DIY, you know, cheap hunt, right? Where you have to hike the mountain, you got to find them, you got to do all this stuff, but sometimes it's, you know, maybe it's financial, right? Like maybe you're doing a stone hunt and you have to save that 70,000 or maybe it is flying to this foreign country. Every hunt has its obstacles and it's not always on the mountain. Lots of times it's off the mountain. It's just getting to the mountain. That's the hard part. Um, and so I guess that's one of the cool things about this international stuff is there's a lot of obstacles that, and just getting there is, is a challenge in itself. Oh, hundred percent. Like even, it's not even like, you don't even have to go international. Like even some of the traveling ones, like to the Northern parts, like, of, like Alaska, like to Nunavut and things like that, the logistics and everything and the journey going there is just like, yeah, like it, you can lose your luggage on the way, everything like that, but it's just conditions like 
it, there's there's different hardships and everything like that on all the hunts that you have to experience. And lots of people just think you're going on a guided hunt and your animal's going to be tied up to a tree when you get there. You're going to go open the door. Oh, there it is. Bang. Okay. And your guides are going to do all the work, clean it all up, like load everything all up. And um, you're just going to be having darts in the back. Like it's, it doesn't happen like that. Like I've never been on one of those hunts where um, everything is all lined up. Oh, here's a pre-scouted ram or something like that. You don't have to work for it. You just show up. We got them right over there. Bang. Okay. Off we go. It's like uh, that never happens. No, none of the hunts that I've been on. And I don't want to be on any hunts that are like that. I want to have to work for it. I want to have to earn it. I want to be part of the whole process. Uh, I want to be out with the guide spotting it. I want to be there the whole time. And it's it it's fulfilling. And like all those hunts too, you can apply all the things that you've learned, say hunting in Alberta, hunting in BC, um, hunting in the prairies, hunting in the mountains, to all these different scenarios everywhere else. And it just makes you a better hunter. Even the things that you learn over there, you can bring back here and apply. And like glassing techniques and uh, the importance of optics and even like your equipment, like your layering systems on your clothes and stuff like that. Like we were out here is minus 30. My buddies are all freezing their nuts off and I'm good as can go, good as can be. I'm out there. I have pneumonia and we're cutting up this moose and they're kind of getting cold and i'm like yeah we're good just you need a jacket like this and a layer layer right in your gold like and they they see it and they're like oh so we were actually hunting with uh dallas coda from kuyu he was kind of out here with us too he has deer tags and we were bsing with them and he brought over one of those burner jackets last night and i think i probably sold three of them for him last night so <laughs> the importance of it and guys see it and they're like well this actually is kind of handy for these situations and you, it, it makes it bearable and it makes some of the equipment and stuff makes it so you can accomplish even your local D, DIY hunts. You can be more successful if you have the right gear and a couple different things that you would have never thought of if you didn't go on any of these other hunts. Yes. Yeah, so, right on. So let's let's get to the the chase here this is why this is the only reason you're on this podcast no, i'm just kidding is uh uh but no and all joke aside i you know consider you a good friend mark and i give you a hard time and razz you lots but uh huge accomplishment to you know to to get your finaz to to kill four the four different species of wild sheep in, in one year it's absolutely phenomenal so um before we get into it how long did it take you what was did you have the days did you do the- um I didn't count the exact days, but I think it was just over four four months and like a week. Wow that that's that's not a year, buddy. That's yeah, like, that's I, that's really bloody quick. Wow. No, sorry, it was five months. It was like five months and a week. That's what it was. Um, yeah, like going back to even like the last time I went to sheep show before Reno, uh, I was going right or at Reno um, before COVID. Uh, I was right after the sheep show. I think it was like 10 days later. I was going on a desert sheep hunt and I was nervous as hell and everything like that. Talking with guys down there, trying to get as much info and everything like that. And sure enough, I go down to Mexico and the first round I ever shoots a uh, desert bighorn and it was 176. So like that's, that's the first time sheep hunt I ever did. I bought it on an online auction and uh, went down there and had a great time. It was fantastic. Shot a good ram and um, seen a bunch of good-sized mule deer and everything down there, too. And it was like, 
this is pretty cool. And then sure enough, COVID kicked in and uh, a buddy of mine, like COVID was just starting when I was on the way back. That's when the uh, flying through the States, that's when they were asking you for the first time if you had been to Wuhan and all the restrictions, like before the restrictions were put in, but they're starting to ask all those questions. So I got lucky. TJ went actually like two weeks after me and they, he was getting closer to kind of when there were more COVID restrictions and things too, or restrictions started. Um, so yeah, I did that right before COVID and um, COVID kicked in and a buddy of mine, Rob Vaught, he was like, we should go and see if we can get some hunts here in Canada since they're not going to be doing any Americans. I'm like, well, that makes perfect sense. So I'm like, you've done a few of these hunts in Northern Canada. I'm like, you tell me where you think we should go and I'm in. So he did some calling around. He's like, I got this number. I, I got a hold of him. This is where we're going to go. I'm like, where are we going? With Reynolds. I'm like, oh, I did a Google search. I can't find them. <laughs> He's like, don't worry about it. <laughs> this is the place we want to go. So I'm like, I believe you. I trust you. So we book and we go with Dan Reynolds um, for Doll Sheep. The beginning, I, I went the first week of September. He went in August, I believe. So fantastic adventure. Uh my guides are Amanda Tompkins and Spencer Wallace. First time I ever met him. I've heard of Amanda. Spencer, I've heard of too. Go out there, meet them. My new best buds. Like these, I love them. Like they're they're like my family. Um hunt was amazing. We got a fantastic 10-year-old ram, I think on the eighth day of the hunt. Uh was so much fun. Um, and then I came back and I believe it was a couple weeks later, I went and I did a a bighorn hunt and I was BSing with you, I believe. And it was like, you know, if I get a bighorn, I think I got a connection in BC. Maybe I'll try and do this all in one year. So we, on that bighorn hunt, we, uh, my guide, Shane Copathorne, we found a good Ram on the first day and it was like probably a mid one seventies Ram. So we made kind of the decision. We're going to hunt this one Ram, try and get him. Cause he was something special. And not going to worry about just getting any ram. We want to get a good mature ram. Okay, so we ended up not getting a ram on that that hunt. 100% cool with that. We were trying to get a, an old one. Um, so, like, I was reaching out to Ron and Brenda about potentially going getting a stone sheep with them and doing this thing that I never thought I'd ever do and try getting all four in one year, and it just it didn't happen. So then the second year rolled around of COVID, and it was about May-ish, and talking with Spencer and Dan and them, I'm like, well, if this COVID stuff's still going on, what are you guys doing? They're like, well, we'd love to have you back. So it's like, okay. So I started planning, reaching out to everybody, um, booking hunts. And it was like, well, I can book book going to the Yukon again, doing that. I just reached out to Ron and Brenda and they're like, yeah, we'd love to have you for a stone sheep. So going with Ron and Brenda for a stone, got a Yukon one booked up. Going back to Alberta because I haven't got a bighorn in Alberta yet. And then I lined up one going to Mexico again. So it was like, well, I got I got all four of these hunts lined up. Can I make it happen? And yeah, I got lucky. Like we got a 12-year-old stone on the third day, I believe, of uh, my stone sheep hunt. Then the in the Yukon, when I went back up there beginning of September, uh, I buggered up my knee on like day number three. We Dan had seen a good ram 
And it was, he figured it was about 13 years old, big old Ram. He says heavy. He's like, this is a good one. We want you to try getting this one. And I think it was like Spencer said, it was like 22 clicks from the place where we closest place we could camp to like get the plane uh, to where that Ram typically was. So we were making that hike like every day. And like on day three in the evening, I think I twisted my knee or something like that. So we went back to base camp, weather started to rain, stuff like that. And I think it was on day number seven, we went to a different location and um, we ended up, we got, we got a 12 year old Ram out there and then went to Alberta. Uh, we went, it was, I think I got my Ram in Alberta. We had to, the, the funny, the thing about with the Alberta Rams is like, we found so many mature Rams and i think there was like 10 of them that were broom short. So you'd see uh, like a 12-year-old ram. You're like, oh, that guy's a beauty. He turned profile and just like half an inch short. We'd find more, another band of rams. Here's two mature ones. Turn short, short, short. And I think we ended up getting, the one I got was seven and a half years old. And I think it was like day 13 or 14 of our hunt. And like, that was the last day I could hunt bighorns. Like my, the clients that I had working were calling like crazy. I had to get out of there and like, sure enough, we turned one up. We left camp at like five in the morning, took the horses back as far as we could. I think it was six miles each way up and down two mountains. We got on the rams, boom, got them, hauled them back. I think we got back camp at nine at night. I think it was like minus 15 or minus 20, just a, just a, a long, long day. And it was rewarding. It was awesome. Like to, to get that big horn in Alberta. And then I went to Mexico and I believe uh, we got that one on day number six. And yeah, like we, even down there, like there's Rams, but they know the situation and they see vehicles, they see people, they go the other way. And when they, those the, the rams in Mexico, like the hunting over there, you think like, oh yeah, the, the hills aren't very big. The sheep just went over the edge. But as soon as you go, as soon as those sheep go over the edge of those mountains, it's like they get abducted by aliens. Like they disappear. Like you'll see 10 rams go over the hill. You'll climb up, make it to the top. Half hour later, 45 minutes later, you'll see two, the other eight gone. Like you can't, you can't find them. Like they, they just disappear in those cactuses. Um, and it's that hunt even there too. Like, the success rate's pretty high, but it's not a gimme. Like you're, you have to earn those hunts. You have to help those guides. Like they can spot the rams pretty good, but if you can help them out and spot them as well, then you're increasing your likelihood of finding a good ram and and shooting them. Like talk to lots of guides. Like when I do these hunts, and they're like they have some hunters that come up and they don't even spot. They don't even bring their own binoculars. They're like that's the guide's job to find my critters, and it's just like. I don't understand how some of these guys, their the relationship with their guides, um, kind of minimizes their opportunities for success. Like if you're out there, I, I treat these hunts with my guides as like kind of like hunting with friends. The more you can help them, the more you guys are working together as a team, the more you're successful. Your chance of success is going to be. And uh, yeah, like it, it was lucky for me that year, I did. All four uh, North American sheep, I got them in the five months. Uh, a good friend of mine, too, that I'll add also is I, 
I did a black bear hunt in um, in Saskatchewan in May. I got a Boone and Crockett black bear. I shot a grizzly as well in the Yukon. And then um, a friend of mine helped me up with a cancellation hunt in Nunavut. And I shot a 10-foot-2 polar bear in the middle of October as well. Like, it, it was... <laughs> Pretty good. Oh, it was it was <laughs> like dream season. Like, but it, man, the traveling. Everyone thinks, oh, you're doing all these hunts. It's easy. It's like, man, that traveling is hard, and being away is is hard. Like, it's hard to run a business from uh, an inreach. Uh, had but I had a good crew of guys, and they they knew what they were doing, and it was allowing me to get away. I had lots of help from like my folks. Like uh, our companies work together a lot, and my folks were fantastic. They're like, yeah, this is something you dream always wanted to do giver so yeah i did that polar bear hunt the brown bear uh, and then i picked up a brown bear cancellation hunt this spring and we had a yeah that, that one was kind of a gong show but we had a a 10 foot plus brown bear at 200 yards on the last day and we didn't even shoot and that would have been like all four bears as well in 12 years 12 months and but yeah no it was going back again next year with the same outfitter he's taking me back um he's like we'll uh we'll get you your brown bear so looking forward to that that's october uh next year so that'll be lots of fun but it's just yeah but capitalizing like so those cancellation hunts like keep your keep your ears open and everything kind of ready to go like that one there was a alaska peninsula hunt and it was amazing like we've seen probably well i don't even know how many different bears but we would see 10 different bears the last three days of our hunt we would see 10 different bears a day like you just you know they're different bears because they're in different spots like they're nowhere near each other and like they're huge like i never thought i'd be a bear hunter but it's a different feeling when you're like trying to sneak up to this bear that is the size of a moose and it is gigantic and it their senses and everything are fantastic and just seeing how fast they move and everything it is neat like it yeah people are like oh you you don't eat them so why would you want to hunt them it's like the experience and the journey and like just hunting these animals in these in their habitat is awesome and like you're doing you're doing a favor for them too like you're trying to get rid of those bears that are potentially killing cubs um yeah like even even this year we did uh, that walrus hunt on the island we killed our walruses on there was four polar bears on that island and we were with I believe there were six Inuit people with us and a polar bear tried to catch one of the Inuit kids. Like they're, they're radioing us. Like you guys got to get back here because there's a bear and it's not going away. Like they were shooting at it 20 yards away at the ground to make this polar bear go away. And it wasn't really leaving. <laughs> like we, we might need to get help. We might need some help out here. So yeah, we had to boogie back, but then it buggered off. But yeah, they're, they're, Bears are bears take a, a toll on all the all the ungulates in North America. Like the grizzlies, you're 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 uh, helping out the moose and the caribou and the sheep, getting rid of those bears. Like there's so many of them out there, it's it's amazing. And like we we had a on that sheep hunt in Alberta too. We had a, a grizzly try and catch our horses in camp. Like it was I think ten yards outside of our cabin door, not the cabin door, our tent, um, chasing the horses. 
like it had no fear of people. It's like, sure, the bears are nice to see and everything like that. But when you see on a 10 day hunt, you see seven grizzlies and one of them's trying to eat your horses. It's these, there's probably too many, but (laughs) that's something to be said about everything like that. Yeah. There's definitely something to be said about bear hunting. That's my favorite hunt. The, that's come out now I've, I've been in and taken some great big black bears yeah. and i took a grizzly before they closed it and i've been in on a couple other grizzly uh harvests and as you said there's something about it that's just powerful when you're that close and they they don't care they got no natural fear right and yeah there's it you, you can't say enough good things about the experience you get from being that close to the animal so yeah, I love it. Oh, like that polar bear hunt I did. Um, it was super cool. Like I went direct with the Inuit guides and um, they're top notch. They're, they're my friends. I love them. Anything they need, like any parts of their skidoos, anything they need, if they can't find them, like, let me know. I'm like, I'll find it. I'll ship it to you. Don't worry about it. Um, super awesome guys. And uh, we find this one. We seen this one bear is about 75 yards away. We were on a boat. It was in October. And, uh, it was an eight and a half footer they figured. And, uh, I went with, uh, a father and a son. Ross is probably our like 45 ish. And Lucas, his dad's in his early sixties, super awesome people. And, uh, we see this bear. It's an eight and a half footer, about 75 yards away. I'm like, are we going to get that one? Luke's looks at me and he's like, I think we can do better. I'm like, okay. I'm like, that, that one's pretty awesome. So sure enough, we go down, we find uh, another one and we come around the corner of the boat in this bay and this thing is a monster. Everyone's excited. We get the boat on shore, try finding it, fog rolls in, can't find the bear. So it was getting getting late. So we go into a bay a couple miles away, sleep there overnight. Uh, that That's funny because talking about TJ too, TJ went on a walrus hunt after I did this year and he was telling me how uh, they're going to be camping on shore. I'm like, eh. Might not really want to do that, TJ. He's like, why? What's the problem? Like, <laughs> you're going to be a meat popsicle in your sleeping bag, and you're going to have company 100%. Like, <laughs> you think? I'm like, oh, yeah. <laughs> anyway, so um, we sleep on the boat, everything like that. Next morning, we go out. We find the bear. He's, like, a mile away. We put a perfect stock on this bear. Uh, we get to, like, 40 yards away from him, and we look, and he's sleeping. So my guide's like, I'm going to go over there, about 10 yards. I'm going to throw rocks at this bear. It stands up. You kill it. I'm like, no problem. I got a tripod set up, guns on a rest. Like, I'm solid as a rock. He starts making a racket, throwing rocks at this bear. This thing is gigantic. It, uh, after like two or three minutes of throwing rocks at this thing, it finally lifts its head up, looks at him, looks at me, back to bed. He goes back to sleep. He starts throwing rocks at it again and making a racket. I can see the bear open one eye, look around at us, and goes back to sleep. <laughs> this thing had zero fear of us. It took us about five minutes to get him to turn around, wheel around, and he's on all fours looking at us. And uh, <laughs> he, he still was not scared. Uh, my guide's like, can you shoot him? I'm like, yeah. So I center punched him right in the middle of the chest. He got up, wheels, runs about 50 yards, piles up. The bear ended up being uh, like a Boone and Crockett polar bear, and it was 10 foot two. 40 yards away, if I would have shot it with a bow, I think it would have ranked pretty high. <laughs> so, 
we're gonna we're gonna maybe do it again one year um, with those guys and see if we can do it with a bow, bring both the bow and the rifle. But yeah, it was uh, it was it was just so neat, like being that close to those things, and like you just know they've never seen people before, and they are not scared of anything. Like the the fact, like where was that? That out was of, at a Pearl Harbor. Where were you hunting them out of? What? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah, like that hunt that you guys are offering. Amazing. Like all those hunts you guys have for raffles are all like world class, top notch hunts. Like everybody in BC should be buying all those raffle tickets up for Christmas. Like those hunts are all amazing. Like you can't like the, the experiences that those ones have. Like a desert, the polar bear, the caribou hunt in the in with midnight sun. Fantastic. Like all those hunts are amazing. Like it's 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 they're 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 like literally life changing. You'll go on those adventures. You'll never forget them for the rest of your life. They're they're that good. That's awesome, man. Um, so when you look back and you've done all that, you've done all these hunts, you've done your finals in five months, you've traveled the world. Is there one that stands out? And I know you're going to say, no, they all are blah, blah, blah. But is there is there something where you go, yeah, this one really resonates? Is there is there one that stands out? To be honest, not really. Like, they're all amazing. Um, like, I'll remember them all. Like, they're, like, that's the thing, too. It's like, I've known, like, all the people that used to take me hunting and stuff like that, um, going on these journeys and stuff, like, that they would have never imagined ever doing. Like, it just... I'll remember every single one of those hunts that I, that I have ever gone on. Like um, they're, they all bring their own unique thing. And that's where like, even like the whole idea of like tax for me, um, there's a thing I had pop up on my Facebook page and it was showing a lady, I believe it was like in the 1900s um, with a, uh, an elk that she was kind of doing a Euro on. And it was just like the memories, like in the trophies, like that's, that's the whole idea of the trophies to bring back the memories of these adventures, of these hunts, of these success, and all the hard work. Like they, they all have their own different, unique hardships and characteristics and everything like that. And they're all they're I can't say one's better than the other, but I wouldn't like I they're all amazing. Like people people think that like oh, the guided hunts are like, oh well it's diminished because you're going with a guide or anything like that. It's they're they're you're you're missing out. Like and even just sticking to your own like province or your own territory, or your own state, like you're missing out on all these, all these things. Like you might not think that you're a mountain hunter. Like I grew up on the prairies. I never thought I'd ever shoot a sheep in my life and going and doing it's like, I want to do this more. And it's just the people don't understand what they potentially could be missing out on and the joy that they'll have and the happiness that it'll bring and the sense of accomplishment and, they might not know exactly deep down what they're really looking for unless they go and do some of these and experience them and be like, I want to do that more. It can give them like a purpose, like and a goal and a direction for their, even their whole life. Like I want to do this more. How can I be better at it? How can I do it more often? And a lot of people, like it, if it brings you joy and happiness, it, it resonates through uh, your entire life. Like I can go and do these hunts. Like, I did one, I bought a, a hunt for a moose hunt in Kamchatka. Um, had to go all the way around the world to go to the Pacific coast. I went all the way east. And I remember my guide, he lived in a little shack in the middle of nowhere. 
and I was looking at everything that this man had. And I knew that all the camo that I had on in my binoculars were worth more than everything that this man owned. And he was the happiest person I've ever met. The joy that this man had, how happy he was about everything. He had literally nothing. And he was so happy. And it's like, you know what? This kind of, I should be thankful for everything that I have. Um, I should be able, I want to work harder and go and experience this more and see more of the world, see how other people in the world do things, how they live. And it just brings back like how lucky we are here in North America and in Canada for like the opportunities that we have, the life that we live um, and all the, like and just our society and just everything. Um, and it just, it, it makes me feel, it makes me feel so much better when I go and do these about like, gives me purpose, gives me goals, makes like, just makes me want to do more, like even contributing more for like the Wild Sheep Foundation, Wild Sheep Society, BC, stuff like that. It just makes me want to do more so that more people can experience it. And it's just, it, people miss out on all that. Awesome, man. Now for you, um, you know, you, you did your FNAS in five yeah. months. Um, is that is there any is there anything of the the Grand Slam stuff that interests you, like the the North America Twenty Nine? Is that something that you're you know because you, you you did I know you didn't start out that way, but you kind of get caught up in it too, and you're like, oh crap, I could do my FNAS in you know in five months. Is that something you're trying to do now? Is there some box taking that you're trying to do, um, or is it you know, just, like, it's about the experience? Honestly, like I'll pick away at it. I think. It's not something that I like, you know what, I want to be the highest on that list. So I want to get it done in the next two weeks. Um, like I want to, my kind of goals is I want to, I want to see and do more hunts and do more things like that. But I also want to do the ones that I really enjoy with basically all of them. But like, um, I, I like to do like, say some of the blacktail hunts and like, um, things like that, get those done. And like, I'm trying to do even more of the international ones. Like um, I have, well, because of the war in Russia now, I had all three tur hunts booked in Russia. So go do those. Like, well, if you're really looking at the list, those tur count for both sheep and goats. So it's like, well, okay. And then we have a couple other hunts lined up. Like we're going to Mongolia in 2025, um, trying to convince a couple of buddies, <coughs> you to go uh, to Kyrgyzstan maybe in 2024, um, go do Ibex, something like that. Maybe go shoot a, a sheep there. Like some of those opportunities even too, like it's cheaper to go shoot a Marco Polo and Ibex in Kyrgyzstan than it is to go shoot a dull sheep in the Arctic, like in the north of northern Albert, northern Canada. Sorry. Um, people think that they're, they're so far out of reach, but some of those hunts are actually a better value than the North American ones. Um yeah, so it's like I'm not I'm not, I'm so like to say like I don't have like I don't want to say I have a set I want to reach this goal then I'm good I want to reach this goal then I'm good I'd like to get a super slam I'd like to do the twelve Ovis the twelve Capra and get those world slams as well but um, they're not like I'm I'm not actively trying to get them done in the fastest amount of time possible I. I'd like to get them done. I'm trying to kind of book it so that I can and realistically time frames because the part of the other problem too is if you start booking all these things, you have like say an issue, like say that thing in the Ukraine now. Well, those three hunts are all kind of pushed back now. So when they're going to come up for time to do it, if I'm booking all these other things, then I'm going to have a huge issue with trying to 
be in three different places at once and kind of runs into a problem. Like I like to do a couple different hunts a year and um, yeah, go on some adventures, bring any buddies that want to come. Um, and like, yeah, anyone that has any questions, like I'm lucky I have two or three buddies. Like I talked to Boddington all the time. Um, my friend Ray Moore, he's killed. Oh, he's hunted everything on the planet as well. And I have like three really good buddies that I can source for any questions that I have. And lots of people, even probably after this, if I like online on some of the forums and stuff, they'll ask me questions about what I think about these and these and these. Like there's a guy, Adam there, he won a raffle last year for a stone sheep hunt in BC from Wild Sheep Foundation Alberta. And it was like, he asked me a whole bunch of questions on what to expect and everything like that. I'm like, this, 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 like anything I can help you out, man. I'm like, if you need anything, I'm like, I got this stuff. I'm not going on any hunts at the same time as you or anything. If you want to use it, print it, take it instead of you forking out all this money um, to purchase it yourself. I'm like, it's all yours, man. I'm like, let me know. And yeah, just things like that, helping other people trying to accomplish their goals and their um, just be successful on their hunts. Like you'd hate to hear somebody goes on. Well, even like that Jason Harrison, like he had that video that uh, don't wait one and just the whole, that video, I don't know how many times I've watched it. And it just rested like people, people push these things off, push these things off, push these things off. And um, eventually they can't do it. But like just going on those hunts and not knowing, like I want, just want to pass off as much information as I can to people and help them be as successful as possible. And like, even if someone's looking for like some of these hunts, cause like, Oh, I want to get a polar bear for my super slam or something like that. And it's like, okay, yeah, I know a guy that might have a permit here. I'll try and get you in touch with him. So, people can accomplish their goals. It's, uh, it's, it's kind of rewarding seeing guys get those feats and stuff like that too, and helping them along the way. So, yeah. Awesome, man. Now, the one thing I'm going to give you a hard time about is booking your hunts during sheep week. <laughs> you missed, so you're supposed to be there last year. You missed it. You're sounds like you're going to chase uh, Ibex in Spain on this one. So that that's my one <laughs> knock on Mark Gashati right now. So. Yeah, that one there, like me and my buddy Milan, he was with me. Uh, we were in Turkey and we just had, we had bad weather. We couldn't, we couldn't glass the areas where we were hunting uh, well enough to find the ones that we were looking for. Like the guides of Shikar are awesome. And uh, we'd look at one Ibex and they'd be like, that is a very nice Ibex, but that is not the Ibex you paid for. I'm like, Oh, they're like, yep. I'm like, what do you think? They're like, we need to keep looking. I'm like, all right. And then we'd have a couple of days of fog and they couldn't, couldn't glass anything anywhere. Um, and just the weather just backed everything all up. And I, <laughs> I had to try canceling all my tickets there. Yeah. From Istanbul, San Francisco <laughs> to Reno. <laughs> yeah. But the intent was to make yeah. it go directly, but just, it didn't happen. Weather, weather gone. Well, we missed. We missed you, man. And Milan yeah, did it. Just saying. Just saying. You're sending but, uh, me pictures. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Awesome. Well, hey, Mark, uh, I know that uh, Dallas is, uh, he needs your help in the field to chase a whitetail around Wayne right there. So we're going to we're gonna let you get back at it. But uh, I know we've been trying to tee this up for a while now, and you've, you've been busy hunting and working and stuff. So uh, thank you for for meeting with us and talking about this stuff. And, and then just for all you do for, you know, for, the society for the foundation, all the support you do, and also you know inspiring other guys to get out there and do your thing. You know you talk lots about it here, and uh, 
Um, I'll, I'll put your telephone number on the in the show notes. No, I'm just kidding. But uh, I, guys, guys know how to get a hold of you, and they can reach out to you, and, and they do all the time. So appreciate you, man, and, and thank you again for all you do. Well, anytime, buddy. Um, yeah, like anybody has any questions, um, I'm on Facebook, anything like that. Like, ask away. Like, I'm here to help. Like, I want to see guys be successful, accomplish their goals, and do the things that they dreamed of. Like, it's, it's awesome going on these adventures and, like, like Jason Harrison said there, don't wait, like go do it. Like you don't know how it'll change your life and how it'll impact your life until you go and do it. And once you do it, you want to do it all the time. And like, it'll give you a new purpose in life. It'll give you new goals. It'll change everything the way you look at things and it's all for the better. So yeah, man, I just tell people go and do it. Like, don't wait, just go do it. Like, it's awesome. Awesome. Good words. Sage words to live by. Thanks. Anytime, buddy. Appreciate it.